This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Andy Campbell Football Show. Um, a little bit different this evening. Um, Sai is um, recovering from his accident, his car crash. So, um, first of all, wish Sai a, a speedy recovery. I know everyone in the group chat will be, will be wishing him um, a speedy recovery and make sure everything's okay. Um, first of all, uh, welcome everybody, um, and we're a global sports agency. Um, who have helped um, support the show um, throughout since its, its beginning. Martin and Jamie and the guys have uh, done a phenomenal job and, and carry on to do so. Uh, huge thanks to tonight's sponsor, Darren Ralston of Bespoke Finance, um, uh, for numerous um, years and, and helped me throughout my life and, uh, and supported me with um, injury insurance, critical illness insurance, uh, mortgage cover, etc. So uh, please get in touch with Daz um, through myself, through Cy. Um, through his own social media, uh, doing great things in the local area of the, of the northeast, and um, and it's nice to uh, to support. He's he's given out a uh, 140 pound will with any new cover uh, brought out, so uh, something massive really, which uh, which he's willing to give out for people who, who follow the show. So uh, a huge thing. Um, before we um, go into the the guest, I want to start by dedicating tonight's show to uh, young Jordan Banks, uh, nine years old. Obviously, everyone heard the. Um, horrific story uh, last week that he tragically lost his life while I was playing football and this show has been, uh, really helped me talking about football and, and, and living uh, living my dream really to meet some amazing people and, and, and I know we're going to go on to, the, to our special guest tonight but I've met some amazing people um, and to hear a, a tragic story like that that someone was playing football and, and tragically I can't even comprehend what 
um, that young man's family is going through. So, you know, I mean, as a dad, as a football man, it's uh, my thoughts are going out to everybody, family, friends, school, mates of his, teachers, you know what I mean? Everybody, it's just a, uh, a horrible, horrible time of the uh, I've, I've hope this little message can get to people and, and help in, in any small way. Um, but to our special guest, uh, we go back a very long way, uh, the person I'm going to introduce to you, um, both at the, the similar age, uh, guest looks a lot younger than I do, he looks very well, um, amazing, had an amazing football career, um, ex-Blackpool, Burnley, Queen's Park Rangers, Leeds United and many, many more which we're going to try and touch base on tonight. But welcome, Clark Carlisle. Welcome, mate. Oh, thank you, Andy. Thank you. And if I'd have known that that commentary was part of your intro, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have come on the show, mate. <laughs> and, do you know what? I only, I only realised realized when it was on thinking, oh, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that was... Oh, uh, yeah. And oh, you know, great. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, I, I was going to say I'll, I'll apologise, but I won't, because I'm... And we are going to touch on obviously that a little bit um, okay. later on in life. But can I just I just start by saying, how well you look? You looking you looking amazing. How's uh, how's life treating you? Okay. Thank you very much, mate. Yeah, do you know um, I'm feeling very good. I'm feeling very good. Um, for the past oh, four years now, been working incredibly well. Just on me, mate. On me, on my wellness. You know, um, been doing a load of, of therapy and. Um, and now I just feel so calm. I feel so calm, so contented. Uh, circumstances are mad, by the way, at the minute. Life is just really, really strange. Um, but life can do what it may. I'm in a really good place. Mm. Amazing, amazing. And do you know what? People this year, um, you know what I mean, especially the last 12, 18 months, um, <laughs> to say that you've been working on me, as in you, um, yeah. how important is that? How, how important is that for other people to throw that message across to people? Because, you know what I mean, people have been struggling, people have been stuck indoors, people haven't been able to see families, you know what I mean, they've been stuck here, there and everywhere. But how important is sometimes to focus on me instead of always focusing on other people? It's incredibly important. In fact, more than that, mate, it is fundamental. It's fundamental to any individual being well. You know, what, what often happens when things start to go awry and we start to feel uh, less than or suboptimal is that we look to uh, help and fix other people. You know, like that's our currency. We're going we're gonna to get our goodness by helping everyone else. And by doing that, when we're not feeling great, we just feel even worse. We, we get enervated. So it's fundamental to any person's life and journey that you work on yourself first. And it's not being selfish, it's being self-full. Mm. Because when I'm well, mate, I, all the things that, 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 you know, really threw my head west throughout my life were, were basically around identity. It was basically about how good a father I was, how good a, a son I was, how good a footballer I was, how good a, a brother and a friend. And when you're not when you're not on top of your game and, and you're trying to throw everything all over the place, you 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 end up being nothing for anybody. Whereas if I look after myself, I have the energy, I have the capacity, I have the headspace to be everything that I feel I should be for everyone. Which is brilliant, mate, uh, and that's what that's yeah. what everyone. I feel everyone needs to focus on that, mate. You need to be able to look inwards and understand yourself, and it's yeah. only from there you can help outwards. 
No, I, I, listen, I totally agree, and I think, uh, and I think it's probably only this last year that we people probably have looked at themselves a little bit and give themselves a little bit of love and a bit of attention and a bit of care because I think you always you always see it as a as being selfish by by to always put other people first. You always make sure everyone else is all right, but sometimes you. You do you you worry about yourself because you worry about your own future, especially as a dad and as a and, a, and, a, and as a parent, as a son, like you say, you know, especially with not being able to see parents during this time. And um, and you're right; they'll be all right because that's all they care about. They all care about your well-being. So you know, what I mean, if they can't yeah. help you while they're not with you, then you're helping them by helping yourself. And I think it's so important that the words that you've just said there, it's it's just, it's phenomenal. And, and to see you with a smile on the face, to see you talk, you know what I mean? I've, um, I've, I've, read, I've read some of your book. I've seen some of your interviews with your yeah, lovely wife. Book. And it's just, it's absolutely... It's just, it's... It's phenomenal, though, that you that, 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 that thought only and you tell it so honestly. And... And I think that's that's key for me, and I think it's key for the people because you know what I mean. The the things that you've gone through in your life during football, post football, um, it's a credit to the man, credit to the person you are that you, you that you're able to pass on those experiences, help other. You know what I mean? And, and I, I look at current football now, Clark, and that, you know what I mean. People ask me now, do I would I like to turn the clock back? Would I like to go back into football now? And I look at this time of the year, you know what I mean, of post-COVID especially, you know, the amount of players who are going to be out of contract in a month's time. Would I yeah. like to be one of those thousands? Would I like to be unemployed again? No, I wouldn't. Would I like to be worrying about what's around the corner? No, I wouldn't. Would I, would I like to sometimes worry that I was going to get selected again? No, I wouldn't. You know, I, mean, I love my career. I love doing what I did for a living. It was a hobby, but I got paid for it. It was... Amazing, but pretty get some amazing people, um, and it was it was a great life. But so, sometimes you can put that to the backside and, and, and move on, and still enjoy what you've got, and, and, and enjoy other things because you've got um, you've got your kids to look forward to. They've got futures, you know. What I mean, sometimes you can't live in the past forever, which is which I think sometimes important. I think it's very important, mate. Um, you know, you you raise a really good point there because I I forgot a lot of my career. Andy, I've forgotten about a lot of it, and um, I, I've, I've only got to grips with this in the, in this past year or so. I've got a new therapist this year, a guy called Nick Mercer, uh, Scouser, but he's down in London and he's incredible. He's just taken my brain onto another plane, and um, I, I've only really thought about it this year that because everything in football, um, any success or any failure is only in that moment. It's never enough. So if you're the hero on a Saturday, it only lasts as far as Saturday because Tuesday comes and you've got to go again. And then Saturday comes and you've got to go again. And then you win a league uh, uh, and you've got to go again and prove it the next year. Or, you know, your success is only temporary. And your validation is always external. You, you know how many times you came off the pitch thinking, yeah, I had a good game today. And the guy was like, terrible. Or the teammates who you were terrible. Or even worse, the guy in the newspaper gives you four out of ten. Yeah. Now, I'm not yeah. bothered about the guy in the newspaper. What I'm bothered about yeah. is the three million people who didn't watch the game yeah. who were seeing the guy in the newspaper's opinion that I got a four out of ten. I'm like, you didn't even watch the game. I had a great game. Yeah. You know, and everything... Yeah, totally external validation for mm. that moment and because of that yeah. even though there were so many fantastic times like you talked about you know that they don't um 
they didn't sit with me, you know, like something I can enjoy ongoing forever yeah. and, all, and all the rest of it. They, they were just in that moment and they were gone because I had to prove myself mm. again. Yeah. So it's only now that I have started to understand my value as a man. I know my worth now. I don't need to seek my approval from the gaffer, from, from my friends, from anyone outside of here. You know, I, I know who I am. I know what my worth is. Uh, and my, my wife, like, uh, she um, confirms that for me, you know, on a daily basis. And I'm good with that. So I don't need to prove anything to my next door neighbor or to the shopkeeper. And because of that, because I know where I am now, I can actually look back and think, bloody hell, I was captain in the Premier League. Hey, that, that weren't bad, that, was it? Hey, bloody hell, I got to I got to four playoff finals. You know, two Wembley, two Millennium State. That's not bad, that. Oh, do you remember when that little scraggy kid who was... 10 stone went through, came off the bench and absolutely <laughs> ruined this. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, was, I was ripped then, you know, I was ripped. I was ripped then. <laughs> you were head straight. And you were rapid. You've always been rapid. But the point uh, I'm making is only now I can look back at what I did in football and appreciate it. Because at the time, even what I'd done that day was never enough to, you know, nothing was ever certain. Your next, like you said, your next selection, your next contract, your next club, blah, blah, blah. And just thinking about after the pandemic, football's had, it, had, had its trousers pulled down. You know, it really has. Yeah. And there are going to be a lot of players out of contract, more than there's ever been before. Yeah. What's worse than that is that every club is going to turn the, the, the purse strings. You know, that flow yeah. of money that usually keeps the game yeah. going. Where you you yeah. get some from the lower league getting picked up for a million, million off, and then that all gets spread about, done it by various fees. It's not going to happen. No, smaller squads, smaller squads, lesser budgets. It's going to be a, it's going to be a half awful time for, for young players, especially. Yeah, it's going to be awful, mate. Yeah, it's going to be awful. Um, but for the viewers, everybody, I can read your comments. By the way, I'm going to be doing your um, your questions. Just, so please get them in. I can read every one of them. I want to start with. Um, Gaz, Gaz has sent a, uh, a super chat about Harry Kane on his way to Man United. Heard it here first, lads. Transfer request is in. That'll be interesting if it is. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about football, Clark. Uh, uh, amazing career. But I'm going to start with um, something we start with with every guest. It's called Magnificent Seven. So just seven okay. quick-fire questions, just a short answer, um, a one-word answer, depending on, um, on, on what the questions are. But here it goes. So... First one's dead simple. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? But you just don't even need to finish it. <laughs> uh, favorite TV show? <sighs> Countdown. I like it. Do you know what? Somebody sent me a message like early on saying, "Ask him about this." Um, he is a he's a toughie for you. Um, QPR or Burnley? Uh, Burnley, but uh, yeah, definitely. Like it. Um, most hostile atmosphere you played a football game in? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. I've had some right ding-dongs, you know, uh, and they're all the derbies, aren't they? You know, Preston Blackpool was, was tasty. Yeah, was um, Watford Luton was tasty. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can't even think. Do you know what? God, oh, 
going back to Loftus Road was a bit feisty when I was playing for Leeds and then for, for Watford. Yeah, so I'll say Loftus Road going back there. Like it. I like it. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, best manager you worked under? Mm-hmm. I've got to have two, A.D. Boothroyd and Owen Coyle, and the two were just polar opposites, but both brilliant in their own way. Yeah, well, I've heard uh, I've heard amazing things about Eddie. I think his I've heard mm. about his coaching, his man management, the way he handles himself with his players. I've heard, I've heard just some super things about him, but uh, which is great. Um, always an interesting one. Angriest teammate. <laughs> uh, Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson. Thompson Burnley. We we used to call him Hector because yeah, that was Cardiff, his old he played for Cardiff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to be fair, you probably played a lot against him in training and things, so you probably had a direct, uh, a direct conflict of interest during uh, during that. Um, oh, and... Always at the bar. Always at the bar. <laughs> like, finally, glass. final yeah. question: uh, Who is the? It doesn't have to be football related, by the way. It can be anything in the world. Who is the greatest Englishman who has ever lived? Oh, Shizzle. Oh, don't shoot me, my dad. Yeah, well, so it's a good shout. Cause I, I um, I, I got asked the same question because I did. Uh, I, I do it. I, we always do it with a guest, but we didn't have a guest a few weeks ago because we uh, we tried a different route and uh, and I said the same. My dad normally in the in the group in the group chat asking questions, so I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping he'll come in with some good questions. But as I say to the uh, to the viewers, please uh, please send your questions in. Listen, going with Clark. So Clark, you just mentioned um, about playoff finals. You said two at Wembley and two at the Millennium Stadium. So Donna Perry's just asked, do you did you prefer the Millennium Stadium or, or at Wembley? Wembley, without hesitation. I'll tell you what was interesting was Millennium Stadium with the roof closed. That was interesting. It was different. But yeah. it, you can't beat Wembley. Wembley's incredible. No. No, and 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 being a, being obviously a, an Englishman as well, Clark, and wanting mm-hmm. to uh, have that dream of playing at Wembley, you know what I mean? That was probably my only regret. You know what I mean? That 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 we've been involved in wasn't at Wembley. I always wanted to play play at Wembley. When I was at Middlesbrough, I missed out. I'm seventeenth mm-hmm. man. You know what I mean? It was nice to be part of the occasion, part of the day, but to play on that at that stadium, you know what I mean? The Wembley Stadium now looks 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 the new stadium looks amazing, but. The old stadium had something. It's got its history, yeah. and and when you see the players and the goals that have been scored there, and the games that have been played there, it's just it's something that you always wanted to be, want to be part of, right? It's what dreams are made of, you know. You're watching the FA Cup final as a kid in your granddad's living room, you know, on on, on the telly on a Sunday afternoon back in the day when it used to be like that. Uh, yeah. I remember the uh, Everton Liverpool FA Cup final. Uh, that that just it. it it branded Wembley and the whole occasion of that, the FA Cup final, in my mind. And then, you know, fast forward 15 years. And in fact, you were there. Uh, we'd, um, we played the 21s uh, against Germany. Yeah. Um, yeah. We went down and watched England beat Germany, didn't we? The first team, I think it was Kevin yeah, Keegan's yeah. last game. Yeah, we did, yeah. But that was my first physical interaction with Wembley. That's the first time I'd ever physically seen it and been in. You know, and like that, I'm just a kid from Preston, mate. I'm just some kid yeah. from Preston. And when I got there, I was like, this is awesome. 
Absolutely. And, that, and, that, and that's the dream, isn't it? You know what I mean? That we were doing something that we loved. We met, met some amazing people. We, we we went to some some unbelievable occasions. You know what I mean? You talked about there about the, the last game of Kevin Keegan. It's it's remembered for that that game. It's remembered for the Harman free kick off of the, yeah. for, the, for the free kick for the goal where they got beat. Just it's just a history, you know, that you you look at modern day football now and it doesn't seem to have the fun, the humour. Um, what happened back in the day, you know? Yeah, I, I look at you look at modern day football. You mentioned there about FA Cup finals. I put a tweet out the weekend about what's your favourite FA Cup final moment, and you said mine was Keith Houchin diving header for Coventry City against against uh, Spurs. Keith's obviously a, a northeast man, and I've met him a few times, so it's it's always reminisce with me all the time. You know, being a, yeah. a northeast boy myself, and and watching the FA Cup final at the weekend. You know, I mean, yes, there was fans back. It was amazing, but celebrating a non-goal. More than the celebrate the wrong goal. It made me. It made me really think that how would I? How would I react to to, to those kind of things? Because as a player, yes, you're relieved. Of course you are. But it's 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 the same as when you played and, and you you stood there with your arm up and he's got a flag up. Yes, I've done my job. But when yeah. you're waiting, when you're waiting for a decision to be made for two, three, four minutes. Surely that's going to have its. It's, it's going to take its toll on people physically, mentally. You know, it's got to be draining for the players as well as everybody else involved. It disrupts your concentration, doesn't it? You get in a flow, you know. It's um, whenever, I mean, A.D. Boothroyd was one of the first ones to really, like, drill this into my mind, is that is when there's a break in play, that's when you come alive. Because usually that's when guys switch off, isn't it? You know, and you take your breather and then all, you try and get back into it and you're usually caught out. But... Can you imagine trying to do that nowadays? We, we like, like you said, four, five, six-minute intervals while everyone goes and stands around the telly. It, it wouldn't have worked for me, mate, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I got away. I've got a, I've got a guess. I hazard a guess that eighty percent of my offsides were wrong. <laughs> it's, it's only because I was bigger than everyone else that I got away with it. But if, uh, those decisions. Had been got had gone to the telly, and I'd have really struggled. I'd have really, really struggled. But I can understand it, though, Andy. I can understand it because it, it's like we're seeing with the European Super League. It's mega money. Yeah. You know, football nowadays. That football is a capitalistic behemoth. Ever since the, the Premier League got hold of the reins, and you know they just took it down their railway way tracks, and and like you said, it's a business now. You know, you, you don't you yeah, don't course, see, yeah. you, you don't see the, the, the messing about, you know, on the touchline as subs and stuff like that. All the little interactions that yeah. that kind of put a little bit of um you get, I don't know, humour, bit of relaxation, you know, just injected a little bit of a calm into into what can be really, really um you know, vitriolic and lively circumstances. They they've gone. They've gone, the, the game's no, been I, I, Yeah, I, I, Listen, I totally agree because I hate the Cup finals. I was, I was so looking forward to it. 20,000 fans and it just, I was I was a little bit let down. You know what I mean? The 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 the, the goal at the end took away from the amazing strike from, from the Leicester player, the, 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 the disallowed goal, which was the right decision, by the way. You know what I mean? Because people are talking about you know, VAR's cut it by the letter of the law. It's offside. Regardless mm-hmm. of if, it, you know what I mean? It was, a, it was the right decision. You know, I mean, if you agree with that, you don't agree with it. I'm not saying I do. I I can't stand it because, as a centre forward, I 
you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm similar to you. You know what I mean? I always played right on the edge, as you all know. You know what I mean? As a player, yeah. so you know what I mean. More often than not, all the times because because if you, even if it's just my shoulder or the way that the way that you hang your body or your head or your leg or something, it's just for me. I wouldn't have wouldn't have got my head round it. You know what I mean? I would have had to change my position. I would have had to change the way that I played in a way, and I, just for 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 an amount of technology, I, I into it, which is which is quite disappointing to say. You know what I mean? But I think that's why I probably get my head round. Around the terms of I, I'm not I'm not disappointed I'm not footballer anymore because what's involved in football now you just mentioned there about having fun on the touchline you know what I mean the the banter in the changing before the game the banter with me on the pitch as as a sub sometimes it was better fun being on the being on the bench and sitting it on the was, bench it? than it was for get, was getting played you know so it's uh, it's just about that you know what I mean people people don't see it now because there's so much at stake. And I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking League Two clubs, League One clubs, Championship, staying in the Premier League. There's so much at stake. It's scary, you know what I mean. When Middlesbrough got relegated, yes, they were disappointed, but there wasn't the kind of figures you're talking. You know what I mean? They knew they were going to bounce back, get a full, get a full stadium week in, week out, and you'll make your money back. It's not a case of the clubs going into ruins. You can't afford to pay wages. It was just absolutely heartbreaking, and and football's well, just gone into another level. The, the era that we came through, we we we, we came through the transition really. You know, because the the Premier League came about halfway through our career, and you know we got a taste of it and this, that, and the other. But we're talking about that transition from when the majority of clubs, unless they were big clubs, were almost family run affairs. You know, they were really close knit. There was like twenty or thirty employees, and and this, that, and the other. Everyone knew everyone, and everyone knew everyone's name. And success and failure was experienced together. But now you look at any football club, and it's not just like 50 playing staff and coaching staff, all the admin team, there's the football in the community, there's the academy, there's the you know secondary and tertiary um, uh, initiatives by the club that means that if the club fails, we're talking hundreds of jobs that are at risk. Yeah. You know, we're talking the economy of, of, of a town that, that's at risk. Yeah from a club going out of the Premier League. So it's it's not the same as it used to be. It means so much more to so many more people. Oh, wow. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> and, 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 and I think that's the, that's the madness all that. And, and, and obviously everyone, we've talked for, for months and months and months about the same thing, about the group viewers, about um, about how important your, your football club is to the town, for your city. Because... Yeah. Without, you know what I mean, look at the Berries, you look at all of the clubs, you know what I mean, I can go back to Darlington, you know what I mean, where they, where they went out of business, you know what I mean, I played for Halifax Town when they went out of business, it's so heartbreaking because just a footballer, I would go to another club because there's another, there's yeah. another 200 clubs in the world that you can, you know, at that, that time that I probably got to go and sign for, but the person who was a secretary at that club, who didn't know any different, had worked there for 25, 30 years, where does she go? You know what I mean, exactly. and that was the that was the older I had the experience in in life where I thought you know what I mean that's where the the, the people where we need to focus on you know what I mean, and that was the that was a heartbreaking heartbreaking thing for me. Um, did, Clark, did I want to talk about, about you, just you got, you, you've been to two clubs, they both went bust. I've been a few clubs, mate. I've been a few clubs who got bust. You know, he seemed to follow me about towards the end, mate. To be honest, obviously, Cardiff had money problems left there. Dunfermline had money problems left there. Halifax had money problems went there, and I wasn't even getting paid decent money at the time either. I was just finishing my green, and it was uh, quite a running joke. And, and after the last one, I thought, you know, like, I can't even start making jokes of it anymore. People are going to start thinking, taking it seriously. 
It was just, yeah, it was madness, oh, madness, madness. As we, as we were talking about offside, my dad's uh, come in the group chat and um, I don't know if he's seen. Uh, do you think Andy was offside in the playoff final when he scored his goal? So thanks, Dad, for putting the comment in. Love it. Uh, I, I, can't, I couldn't see through tears. <laughs> it was Danny's. Just blame Danny. Danny. It was Danny's fault. Danny couldn't keep. It was. Going. It wasn't me. I, I'd made the clearance, and it was Big Dan trying to play you offside yeah, on his. Oh. Do you know what it was? It's not even your goal, Andy. Your your goal was a great finish, by the way. It was a great finish. Don't know what Daisy was doing. He's in no man's land. But it was the header that I missed before that in the first half of yeah, uh, extra time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't go across goal. And every time I see it in my mind, and I do frequently, that it was gaping. The goal was gaping. And I tried to wait for that. Oh. Isn't it incredible? How much it, looks, it looks so small, though, doesn't it? It looks so small. And those are the kind of moments, aren't they? Because that was the moment always gets looked back on as well, just before the goal, because it's a moment where it gets shown as well. You know what I mean? That these kind of moments in games that. The defining moments, and when you spoke, please, when you speak about defining moments and season-defining moments, because it was that was a the goal was the header was um, you know I mean season season-defined because it's fine margins that goes in there. I never I couldn't see us scoring a goal in that in that game to be honest. No, I, you know, the, the, way, the, the, the way the game was getting played because you look at mm. you look at the game at your place what, what, about a month before. Um, I think Ernie scored Ernie scored three and it was unplayable. You gave us four, yeah, yeah, four nil. I don't think you got a kick. You know what I mean. So that that showed how how we just we ran out of ideas. We looked, we we. I wouldn't say we were lackluster. We just come, we just came up to a team who were better than us on the day. Who just nullified yeah. everything we had. Who caused us problems going forward. I thought Kevin up front for you. I thought was did his usual job playing in midfield and out wide. You were you were a threat. You and Danny going forward on set pieces, and you caused us problems throughout. We didn't really have a have a shot at goal apart from the goal, and it was that. That's just the way that the the games go and it's, it's like you say fine margins you know what I mean just so it's sort of history books but if somebody watched the game again and you watched the whole thing all the way through probably the best team didn't win on the day which no, you know what I mean it just happened well, like and, you know the, what I mean? the previous, previous encounters that season you said dispatched us absolutely dispatched us actually I think did we, we came to your place on 1-2-1 one, one, actually to yeah, get in the yeah. Yeah, uh, to get yeah, in the playoffs, but, but you absolutely destroyed us at our play. Do you see things like that? I, I, Robbie Blake can remember every minute of every game against every player that he's ever played. Whereas I would come off a pitch and I couldn't tell you who I'd marked or who I'd play with. But now, because I've got this freedom, I can recall things. It's awesome. But let me tell you, you talk about defining moments. People will see what happened on the pitch there. They'll see the one or two uh, missed efforts when Tommy Williams went herring down that left-hand side and yeah. he cut in and he shot instead of squaring it to Kevin Gallon. They'll see all that, but what they won't mm. see is what happened for the next three months. And what happened for the next three months, I don't know because I wasn't sober. I lost the next three months of my life because of that match. Well, not because of that match, because of my reaction yeah. to that match. You know, yeah. uh, and um, QPR almost went into administration uh, and all the rest of it. People don't see all of the ramifications to the individuals in the game because of the result of that game. Whereas you guys all went off to Magaluf, was it? And then you, where did you mm. man take? But that's the, but that's the, but that's the, that's the, but that's the, that's the moment, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because what you, if we'd have lost that game. 
I'm not sure where Cardiff City would have been because the players wouldn't have been there for sure. You know what I mean? You look at the the Earnshaws, the Gabidons, the Cavs, the Thornies, all those players. From in my opinion, you know, I don't know this for certain, but I I, I would have thought that they would have gone on to passages new. They would have gone on to stay in that division mm-hmm. any longer because that division was a, as you know, you know what I mean. You obviously you went out with you got out with the season after, um, in very comfortably. But that's that that division was so hard to get out of. You know what I mean? The Stoke City's the season before were a good side. You were a good side. We were a good side. There were so many good sides, and for the teams mm-hmm. to get out of it, and you, if you get stuck in the playoffs again, it's just a lottery. You know what I mean? And, you, and you, yeah, you know what I mean. The Bristol Cities as well. We're still in there. There were so many good sides and so many derbies, so many battles, so many teams who wanted to beat you because you were the biggest team in there with the best players. You know what I mean? And and the season that Langley was, Langley's came to sign for us straight away after the playoff final. Yes. So you lose one of your most influential players, um, good lad as well to have around the changing room. So you've got to then try and find someone to fill in those gaps and things. So it's um. Uh, it, it must have been really difficult well, for the club, though, because Landers was one of the most gifted midfielders I'd ever played with, um, but who didn't fulfil his potential. Uh, it, and it's because of his knee injury. You know, I've no doubts about it. it. It took the edge off him. But Cav, Graham Kavanagh, I think, he and Jimmy Bullard, two best midfielders ever to grace League Two. They, they were incredible. Or oh, Fulham had a decent side as well, about 98. Uh, yeah, they did. Cav was outstanding, mate. The, the guy, he, he was, was just... He, he, he just... Yeah, he just... He, obviously, you know I mean? You're talking about that time, aren't you? I remember Wigan. Um, and obviously, that Jason Roberts up front. They had uh, the Duke up front yeah. as well. And every time they got the ball, oh. they looked like they were going to score. They were. They're those two together, for me... Yeah, I know we had Ernie and Thorny and Peter and all the Cardiff fans will disagree with me here, but for me, those two on their on their day, they were the best strike force in that league. They were they were superb. You know what I mean? They were they, were, they had pace, they had power, they had goals. And when they when they knitted together, when they when they really wanted to do it, you know what I mean? There was there was probably no better partnership. And if they were at a bigger club and probably a better supported club, they would have kicked together because Wigan it wasn't it wasn't intimidating to go there. You know what I mean? The, the ground was nice, the setup yeah. was nice, but there was there was never anybody there, and it was disappointing for those kind of players to to probably play in that kind of situation scenario. You know what I mean? You, you, whenever you played there, like it was just it was just dull and boring. You know what I mean? And it that was, was yeah. I mean, it was just one of those. They were in the town, weren't they? You know, the yeah. stadium was for the rugby team. It weren't for the football team. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's uh, but yeah, great. Like like I say, it's. Uh, uh, it's, great, it's great to talk about these kind of memories. Um, to the viewers, I'm going to go. I'm going to ask uh, Clark some uh, some questions about his early memories. So, if you want to uh, ask him anything you would like uh, about his life, about his football, about what's going on now, what it's uh, what he's up to nowadays, please get your questions in, and I will scroll through. Um, Clark, I want to take you right back. So, earliest football memory. So, how did you get into football, and and, and basically, who got you into it? Uh, me old man, he was my dad, you know, my dad, Mervyn Carlisle, uh, he used to play Preston and District League, Saturday and Sunday leagues in Preston, and my dad was quality, mate, he, he was a striker, um, left foot, right foot, Edda, it, and he, he was the, you know, the, like, 70s shorts, the uh, early 80s, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Would, my, my dad was massive, like 6'5", absolute unit, he would go out wearing a pair of shorts, come back wearing a skirt. <laughs> his thighs were massive. Just well, bursting. The only thighs I've ever seen close to my dad's thighs are Biak in Fenwick. Oh, my days. 
guy's a unit, but uh, yeah, watching me old man, you know, I used to go and watch him play, and he's good goals for fun. And I, I just want, I wanted to be him. I wanted to be as good as him. Um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to play football. And then, um, do you know this is a, a bizarre thing to cling on to? I got a signed program from Norman Whiteside's testimonial, uh, signed by Norman Whiteside, obviously. But I never went, and I've never met the guy. But I treasured it. I absolutely treasured it, mate. It was. was this is amazing because obviously he was a player and so those two things you know there's me old man playing and then there was a, a superstar who signed a program for me who i'd never met for a game i never went to <laughs> and those two things are my earliest memories of football that, that you know they really got my juices flowing which is great absolutely absolutely fantastic uh donna penry's coming with a question in the group chat uh clark what team did you support as a kid mate i, I was oh, i was so weak so at uh, first <laughs> <laughs> my best mate in primary school supported everton so i supported everton and then they got beat in that fa cup final by liverpool so i supported yeah, liverpool yeah. Um, and then I got that side program from Norman Whiteside, so I supported United. And then I signed for Blackburn, um, Centre of Excellence on schoolboy forms, so I supported Blackburn. And ever since then, I've I've just supported who I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm Clark Carlisle, number one fan club. So, yeah. so, so wherever yeah, I've been, it's been the club I support. But I think that's I think that's important, though, right? You know what I mean? Because uh, when we obviously went, we laughing at joke, don't we? We we, we asked them questions at the start in the magnificent uh, QPR of Burnley. You know what I mean? But mm. I think it's important to to have those kind of roots and have those foundations and leave a leave a legacy. You know what I mean? Because you left the legacy at QPR, you left the legacy at Burnley, you left the legacy with Blackpool because you left them in a good place. So, you know what I mean? You always look at their results because yes, you've left, but you you always leave something behind. You leave mates behind. You leave. Mm. Um, you leave memories behind. You leave the club behind. You leave everything. You know what I mean? But you you always want to want them to do well because you want to go back one day or you want to see them do well. You want to win something because. That's funny you, you say that. Did you always leave your clubs on good terms? No, I didn't leave Cardiff on good terms. I left. Uh, no. I left. I left probably fifty percent on. I'd probably say it was fifty fifty. There was, on probably mm. six clubs. I probably left three in a, in a, in on good terms and three on terms which probably could have been me and them. Yeah, I, I had 11 clubs, and I like to think that 11 managers wanted me, not 10 managers didn't. <laughs> uh, I would say there's probably only... Uh, uh, do you know what? I, I, maybe two. Maybe two I left on good terms. It's, it's like breaking up with a girlfriend, you know, yeah. or with, with a partner, because there's always fault somewhere. You, no one ever leaves yeah. for a good reason uh, yeah. unless you're being bought by Real Madrid, you know, mm. or, or you're being uh, like properly plucked out. So, uh, yeah. Well, I, I agree with that, Clark. It's either it's either the club don't want you anymore, or you've outgrown the club in a way. Yeah. Or you're not playing, and you want to go and play. Or there's always a reason. It's never it's never amicable. It's never. You know, what I mean, there's always a, a, an awkward conversation with either mm-hmm. the, the owner, the CEO, the manager, the coach, the players, or somebody at the club. You know, what I mean, we we, we talk here uh, quite openly about social media and um, around when I was a player. I'll be honest, because 
know what mm. I mean? When I did leave and when, you, you know what I mean? The amount of people who can probably make their own mind up, like you say, that, you know what I mean? They'll listen to that one person who'll give you a four out of 10. So they'll listen to the first person mm. who sticks a tweet out there or a post out there and, and everyone will jump on the back of it. The facts, because we're only human, right? And when we look at um, posts what are out there, when we look at somebody saying negative things or positive things, Sometimes you believe what people write about you. If that's good, you believe it. If it's bad, you start to believe in it. So you know what I mean. It's, and it's the, it's the devil. It's the social media, and I, I would it's, hate to be a young player now. Difficult to handle in in an industry like football. Like when I was explaining earlier, where everything is about external validation. Everything, you know, it doesn't matter how good you think you are. Someone else mm. has to think that you are good in order for you to get picked, to get a contract, to get a move, blah, blah, blah. Everything is external. So if if you've got any uncertainty, you know, you get, you have a look at your Twitter feed after a, a match, you might have 99 great comments and one bad one, but it's the bad one that will Velcro to you because you, you've got doubts, you know, you've got doubts. And if, well, if that person can see bad things about me, then surely the manager can, surely the, you know, the chairman can, yeah. blah, 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 blah. It, it, that, it's the negativity that velcros to uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't many fewer people who I met in football. There aren't many who, who could be totally um, just certain about where they are and who they are. Gavin Marm was one. I loved it. He was so yeah, steep. Was another Steve Palmer was another so calm, confident, you know. Um, but that's that's about it. Everyone else yeah. needs something from out there. So, cool. <laughs> you know, it's funny because there are some players who I wish social media was around for. People like uh, Gary Brabin. Do you remember Gary Brabin? Yeah, Brabs, yeah, Brabs, yeah. We've had a few stories about we've had a few stories about Brabs on here. Uh, Brabs yeah. grabbed hold of um, he grabbed hold of Nicky Southall during the game and got him in a headlock and ran down the touchline with him. And Nicky was just Nicky was only a young kid at the time, and Nicky was Nicky was telling us a story a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he talks to Brabs all the time about it, and Brabs just doesn't care. Brabs is just one of those people, though. He just didn't have a care in the world, did he? Hey, it'd have been brilliant. This guy was still running the door at nightclubs in Liverpool whilst playing for Blackpool. <laughs> he used to talk about hench. He was absurd. He, he used to stack the machine and get a YT on each arm and bench press it. <laughs> it was awesome. I remember one day, one day at training, he'd fallen out with Nigel Worthington and he, he, used, to, he used to call him Nidge. <laughs> you know, which is... <laughs> You've got, you've got respect yeah, yeah. for your gaffer, and, yeah. and because Brabs lost it, he just started to call him Nidge, and he went, "Oh, Nidge, please release me, let me go." And he sang it for three weeks. That we talk about though. We talk, we talk about the the joy and the humour out of football, which is gone. There's there's an example of just of things what. What would never happen now, though, because yeah. people wouldn't players have that players have that, have that much power. You know what I mean? Back in the day, players didn't have the power, some power back into themselves and and try to have a little bit of fun and a little bit of humour, just to bring something, just to just to crack with the lads. You know what I mean? That, that I just I, I don't see I don't see 
teams who are struggling now getting out of it because they don't have that camaraderie together. They don't have the the, the, the Gary Brabins. They don't have a little bit of fun and go socialising together. And then on the weekend they're going through going through run going through a brick wall together. It doesn't happen. You know what I mean? They're they're down the bottom of the league because there's nothing there. There's nothing from the top to the bottom of that football club. And it's such a it's such a shame though because you can see it just run badly. You know, what I mean, look at Leicester City for example. But they've, they've won more than that. They're in, the, they're in the Champions League places because the, mm. the chairman is in control of the manager. The manager's in control of his coaches. The coaches are in control of the players. The players are in mm. control of each other. The captain's in control of everybody else. The whole club and the fans are just running in the right direction. And not the, the need you know to what be. I think is different, mate? The, the, the difference between our era... I can't believe like I'm looking back with... <laughs> do you remember those old boys when we were playing? You're like, oh, who's this geezer? Oh, back in my day. <laughs> yeah. <That's us. laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I know. What, I know. Is what is different now to when we were playing is now the, the footballer is homogenised. Everyone is the same. You know, whether you're a, a full-back, a centre-half, a midfielder, a striker, everyone needs to have that technical ability, pass a goalkeeper, passing ability, blah, blah, blah. You need to have the pace. Whereas in our days, people specialised in certain areas. We say specialised. What we mean is they were crapping others. So, so it, you know, I could head it and kick it, but I was slow. So that's what I had to do. I had to head it a lot, kick it a lot, and it, because I was slow, I had to kick people a lot. And it's it's in making up for your deficiencies that you created characters. And I don't think there are many characters nowadays because everyone tries to be that perfect, technically gifted, tick-attacker, you know, lovely, calming yeah. possession player. And not only, do, not only do you not see uh, someone with some fire and fundamental industrialism in them, you know, grit and and thunder and, and hard tackles, but the game doesn't allow it anymore. You know, I totally agree. If, if you nearly tackle someone hard, you get booked. Mate, I'd, I'd have been sent off every 30 minutes nowadays, but back in our day, the, it was the people who weren't technically gifted that had to make up for it by having an impression on the game and you had an impression on the game by putting in a thunderous 50-50 tackle, by heading the ball 90 yards down the park, by chasing someone 40 yards and putting them into touch when the ball's over there. <laughs> you know, that's how the lesser gifted players made an impression on the game. And it made an impression because there were thousands of people who reacted to it. So this past year, where there's no one to react to the things on the on the pitch, the game's lost so much of its impetus. You know, even the FA Cup final, totally even agree. when... What's your man? Uh, I can't remember who it was. Missed his shot. And there was the ironic cheers. Yeah. <laughs> That's all a part of the game, isn't yeah. it? That's, That's all right, part. yeah. I, I... I totally agree. And what you just said there, Clark, it's, it's music to my ears, though, because I, I've said openly on here that some of the guests we've had on here, you know what I mean, technically gifted, you know what I mean? And I, I didn't have the tenth of people's ability. But what I had, I had something that nobody else had in, my, in what, I, what I ever came across. And I had something of, of, of a running pace, which you could only probably dream of having as a footballer. So I, yourself, in 2021... I don't yeah. think <laughs> I don't think I would... I don't think I would, I would, I would cope now, because I... I my stats of giving the ball away probably would be really high, you know what I mean, because of 
there's not much space in behind. There's not any any areas which players will teams will do centre forward anymore. Um, and I, and and I say that because my stature probably wouldn't allow it. I'm I, I'm not the kind of player who would be able to play as a false nine. So I'd play up front against a couple of big centre halves. I wouldn't get the I wouldn't get the ball. I'd probably probably suit playing wide, which. Mm-hmm. Then you so you, you hold down night, you know what I mean. So this it's this four two three one. Um, instead of playing a big man and a little man up front, you know what I mean, which I yeah. love because it took the pressure off me. If if Peter Thorne, for example, would fight against you and love it, and you'd love it, he'd love it, but it take the pressure off me. Where if I'm doing it, I'd hate every minute of it, and I'd look forward. I'm thinking, please, b- please bring me off. You know what I mean? Because I've had enough <laughs> of this. This is just, you know what I mean? It's not, it was, it's not me. You know, you, sometimes you're in the game, aren't you? And you, you know what I mean? People think that you, you got to come off sometimes, but when you've been battered by somebody. For 70, 60, 70, 75 minutes, any change here, just bring me off and let somebody else have another go because I'm done. You know, I'm hey, physically you know, done and mentally done. I could smell that in players. You know, when you've done them, when you've actually, when you've got them on toast, oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was always the first. Yeah, you the just first, know. You just, you just know. Yeah, the, the first aerial challenge, I would go right through the back here, right through the back. Even if I could win the header, I would head the back of your head. Uh, absolutely mull you and I'd see what your reaction was from there just to see whether I've got a game on my hands or whether I'm going to be able to spread you on toast yeah. if you're coming <laughs> back from more, some, so, and that's the worst thing isn't it for a defender if you've got somebody who's come back from if come back from more comes back from more and then you know you're in a game because they've come back three times four times five times and they yeah. get a bit of joy in and then it's the it's the battle isn't it you know what I mean but people were up for it you know what I mean back in the know we joke about it but that's what people did because Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it wasn't the game now, you know. It wasn't the game now. Somebody's put an interesting, um, uh, an interesting question in the group chat. So yeah. it was Reese Davies. Did you did you play with Leon Jean at QPR? I did. Did Leon? Question mark. What Bacardi. you know? Talking about. Um, He's one of one of my one of the best players I've seen. Oh, without doubt, mate. Leon, he, he was incredible. Right, <laughs> one of my. <laughs> Have you had Langers on yet? Not yet. No, he's on my list. Well, he's, oh, he's going to yeah. come on. When Langers comes on, ask him about my first day at QPR. Because uh, my first day at QPR, Leon, because it is, you know what it is. It, it was, a, <laughs> it was a, a, you know, a Welsh playboy, wasn't he? It was proper, proper having himself. Yeah, he was. And uh, he went, all right, clack, all right, clack. Can, what, what are you going to do about <laughs> this? What are you going to do about this? <laughs> he had a ball and he was doing all these skills. And he's going, Langus, Langus, what's he going to do about this? What's he going to do about this? I went, come on then, mate. Come on, let, let's have a one-on-one. One-on-one, Leon. You went, okay, okay. Come on then, Mr. Big Bucks. We lined up. He, he, he started doing his step-overs and everything. I just went, whoa. <laughs> Absolutely walloped him. I lifted him, but, mate, he must have got 10 feet of Air Jordan hang time. It was brilliant. Uh and he never, he never challenged me again after that. <laughs> You're like, Rich, Rich, it's a foul. It's a foul, Rich. It's a foul. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what? It's, just, it's, it's, it's Leon, Leon all over that. I know he's had, I don't know if he's publicised issues now in Cardiff. That I know he's been to prison yeah. and he's got himself into trouble again. And, and do you know what? It's, it's such a shame, you know, because we're on about wasted talents. We're on about players who didn't fulfil the potential. And he could have been anything he wanted to be if the right person got hold of him uh, if that's an advisor if that's just someone who could have just calmed him down and looked after him in his home city of Cardiff or in London you know what I mean because you've got a young lad who, young lad who's thrust into a big city 
in London. Um, he's thrust into a big city in Cardiff with all his mates around the pressure. There's got to be that um, support mechanism. There's got to be that safety net for him to be able to go so far, but can be brought back in to uh, look after him because he had he had all the talent in the world. It just didn't. Well, obviously, didn't go the way I mean, that he wanted it. It, it, goes of, uh, it goes deeper and bigger than that because when you when you take uh, kids out of situations, especially. You know, like working class council estate, uh, underprivileged uh, and maybe poor education situations, like the one that I came from. It, it's it's not about just guiding them or mentoring them because you're like you're like a kid in a sweet shop. All of your dreams have come true at once. So it's it, it's so you know it's not not a superhero complex, but. What you have now is the best thing you could ever imagine. So there's no point in thinking about next week, next year, year after, because this is dream come true stuff. So what you need to do is you need to, um, we need to get into lads before they become professionals in the academy so that they understand their whole self and football in the context of a lifetime. <laughs> You know, because when when you're playing, it's all about now. I didn't start thinking about retirement until I hit thirty odd. I retired at thirty three. Yeah, you know, and totally I was one of those thought about it in advance. But up yeah. until then, you're just in this mindset where you're thinking about the next contract, next match, next contract, next match, and it, mm. you you either think it'll go on forever or you hope it'll go on forever. But it's always about the moment. Yeah. So getting people to understand that football at best is going to be 10 years of a lifetime, yeah. you know, that that's that, that's the understanding we, we need totally to get to. Totally agree. No, absolutely bad. Yeah, mad skills, mad pace, and he's the only yeah. person, well, not him, Just gifted Noah Williams, who've got more kids than me. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting, interesting what you just said on, on about um, it goes deeper than that, about transitions and things and people putting things in place. So whose job is that then, Clark? Because obviously you've worked for the PFA. Uh, you mm. played a huge role in changing and trying to change. Um, I think he's got some changing to do, whoever will be able to put things in place now. Is it the clubs who people who, who players are playing for? Are they... Are they right just to wash their hands with players who the release, or, the, or, or should there be an aftercare system in place for those kind of players, or is it solely the PFA, the Premier League, the EFL, who, to show the care or to look after these players after, let's say, an injury happens, release happens, retirement happens? Well, whose job is it? It's a really difficult question. Um, if you if you're gonna take us like a wider perspective of perspective of it, because let's say. Your, your old man works for NatWest and then leaves NatWest. Is it their job to look after him once he leaves NatWest? Wherever he goes on to, you know, whether he, if he changes industry or, or if he changes career or if he retires, what have they got to do with him now? Nothing. They're, they're his employer for that period of time. So you have a look at that. That's a football club, isn't it? The football club is the employer. They need to look after the person while they're in situ. But the wider industry has a moral um, obligation to look after players. And that, in my opinion, is, is down to the union. You know, I think that, right, 
Let's not talk about this one topic in isolation. Let's talk about football. Football uh, does not know who should do what. All of the stakeholders are so concerned about whose badge is on the front page and what control do we have over this and what the finances are that, that everyone wants to do everything. So that, that means that there is no ownership or responsibility taken for issues that they should be responsible for. Now, yeah. football clubs are employers. They should have a health and safety policy and strategy that mitigates the risks while they're at the club. The FA and the Football League and the Premier League, they're governing bodies. They should govern. The PFA mm -hmm. is the players' union. They should be the ones that put that circle around the players. But because everyone is trying to do everything, all the arguments are about ownership and little bits of this is done and it's optional and no one knows who to go to uh, and so everything falls yeah. on its side. So you talk about retirement and transitions, it's the same as uh, mental health uh, and crisis support, it's the same as well-being support, it should all be run by the union and they should have direct access to every football club. It shouldn't be, oh, can we come in and see our players, please? Uh, yeah, come back three weeks on Wednesday because we've got four games in, in, in nine days. That you know, yeah. it can't be like that. No, I totally agree. No, I, 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 I totally agree. We had uh, Klaus Lundigvarm on um, a couple of months. He yeah. had his high-profile um, problems in his life, um, and he's now he's now working for Southampton. Just started working for Southampton as a uh, as a. Some, I think he's a mental health coordinator. You know what I mean? So he's helping oh, young man. players. How they're feeling? How they're feeling um, as a footballer? Um, it, after a bad game, he's got that insight. After a good game, he's got the insight. After getting released, after getting sold, he's got the insight. He's he's been there. He's done it. He's wore the t-shirt. I think it's so important for an experienced older player to give that experience back to the younger lads. You know what I mean? Because they he can he can guide them through while the their generation comes through. He can guide them through as well because he can guide Joe Bloggs through to his next club, and then hopefully somebody at Leeds United, for example, who he's just moved to, can then pick it up. And move him on to again to another level, yeah. and by the time we know it, he's he's had he's had some guidance from six, seven, if not ten, ex-professional footballers who've given him all this knowledge, all this experience, and he's can he can put into a pot, and then then by the time he's he's at that tenth club, he's ready to retire because he's had that experience. He knows what's coming. He knows that it's coming anywhere because he's sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. That tomorrow could be a last game because you could get injured. You know what I mean? Yes, it's not nice to hear, but. You need to know those kind of things because True, yeah. when that does happen to somebody, they're not ready for it. You know what I mean? They're not ready at 18 to get released. You know what I mean? I, I speak to young lads all the time. I speak to parents still get released in at Middlesbrough, Darlington, Hartlepool, York. Um, mm. And parents say, what's next for my son? I don't have the answers for them because, you mm. know what I mean? I, how dedicated is he? You know what I mean? Does he, is he, does he want to be a footballer? You know, how much does he want it? You know what I mean? Is he willing to take two steps back to go five steps forward in the next five, six, seven years because that's how long it might take. Is he is he that dedicated? And it's 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 having those answers. I can't answer that kind of questions for an individual. I can only answer them for me. The hard to answer is because you, you'd never, to be brutally honest in that situation, almost feels cruel, you know. So if, if a lad's been released from a club, it's so hard to say to a parent, well, look, is he prepared to go two steps back 
to stay there for five years and maybe go two steps further back and then go and get another job. Yeah. You know, because this is it. What what are his alternatives? And nowadays, what are her alternatives? You know, with the Women's Super League is is creating um, a, a momentum in young girls' football that's so similar to the momentum when we came through. You know, where they're being sold the dream and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. And, is you know, this is going to be absolutely amazing. And the truth of it is only 0.1% of them will ever make it. And it's, it's hard it's hard to tell that reality to parents. And, and, and that's, I think, that's the heartbreaking thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because... I can only say it from my point of view, you know what I mean? And, and, and what my dad never put any pressure on was a footballer before I was. So I knew exactly the, 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 the path that I was going to follow. You know what I mean? If I wanted to be a footballer, I knew what it was to, what it was to be a YTS, what it was to be uh, to make your debut, what it was to be to play in the Pontins League, what it was to do jobs, what it was to... Just to be a, just to be a football. And you, do you know what? And these are the these are the good things and, and the things that I remember most about being a being, being a player. You know what I mean? YTS was the best days of my life. Playing and make my debut in the Pontins League at Leicester City, I think it was away from home at Fulda Street when when they had dancers on the touchline when the, every time the ball went out for a throw and the music coming on, and I thought, surely this doesn't happen in the Premier League. And and you only realise that when you go then, isn't it? And you're a little bit disappointed, a little bit, a little bit disappointed, but. Parents nowadays want want their want their kids to be a footballer to live the dream that they never made it, and that's yeah, the pressure that they're putting on their me. own kids. And such, yeah, and it's it's such a it must be it must be so hard for a child though because if you do get released, you know what I mean. Then the, the parent takes it probably worse than you do. You know what I mean. And and where do you go from there? You know what I mean. You get released like kids are getting picked up at six, seven, eight year old. They they get released at 12, 13, 14. I think I personally think it's too uh, too too early. At, if, if I, I have got three girls and one of my girls plays football at a decent level, just just turned 16. So um, hopefully she'll carry on playing football throughout her, throughout her, her young life. But I'm, I'm so glad I haven't got a boy. And I'm so glad if I did have a boy that they wouldn't play football. It's a cutthroat industry. Uh, you know what I mean? If they're going to make it to the top level and make decent money and living out of it, fair play. But like you said, the percentages of us who do that is a few and far between now. It's can, the, the cannon fodder, the kids that come through the, the um, you know, the academy system and the um, schoolboy forms and all the rest of it, they, they are all cannon fodder because the, the, every club is casting the widest net possible just to hopefully unearth that one diamond. And I, I got released by Blackburn at 14 I signed to Blackburn at 12, um, me and Dunny, David Dunn, were in middle of the park, and um, I got released at 14. It was just as they'd won the, they'd won the Premier League, Jack Walker's pumping all his money in, they built the big Blackburn Rovers indoor centre, the brick, you know, and it was awesome, awesome. And then uh, Alan Irving, it was, Alan Irving, said, you know, he, he released me. Mate, I cried for three days. Three days straight, I cried, and I vowed never to play football again. Uh, it, it broke my heart. It, uh, that was horrible. But like, but like you said earlier on, though, Clark, you said you supported that club as well. You know what I mean? Because you were you were a fan. Yeah. Of it, you know what I mean? So you've you're not just a player now. You're a player and a fan, and that dream's been broken as as both younger lad as well. They're not being having the 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 emotional coaching, so to speak, and, and mm -hmm. knowing how you how you're supposed to handle yourself and. Um, you know, because no one ever got you. No, no one gets you ready for it. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying they get you ready for it now, but 
I think there's a lot more people getting released at younger age now, and, it, and everyone's everyone, everyone knows it's available. But back in the back in the day, it, it was very rare that that people did. You just either either carried on and, and signed for the club at sixteen, or or you just moved to another club within just the system of the schoolboy system, or you know, used for a YTS. So it was uh, it was probably uh, listen, and, I, and I'll go back to the point of I would hate to be a footballer now, and I'd hate to be that for the worry of that. You know what I mean? Because of what what goes on in the world anyway, you know what I mean. I I, I would be worried about my next contract. You know what I mean? Because contracts aren't a three four year contracts anymore, and that I'd be I'd be worrying after Christmas of three months later on. So that would affect my game. It would affect my mental health. Yeah. It would affect the way that, that I, I handled myself. And um and it was just it was just a, it would just be a big worry. And, and and I don't think people deserve that kind of worry. You know what I mean? You people have these concerns and don't have to work when they retire. Um and. You know what I mean, and you, 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 you've got lads. Well, I know lads who are still playing at Hartlepool's. You've got lads at Carlisle United, for example, and it's, not, it's it couldn't be further from the truth. And you know what I mean. You you've got people who sure and, and, earn, and earn ten times what they're earning. And it's it's a scary thought. You know what I mean. But they're living the dream, and they won't have any regrets when they're when they when they, when they yeah, finally yeah. do retire and they, and they get to a level. You know when I when I started, I mean when. That time I got released by Blackburn, and then it was about two weeks later. Fred O'Donoghue um, signed me up for Blackpool, and my first uh, my first like major match experience was playing in the FA Youth Cup against Newcastle at Gateshead. Yeah. Uh, but I was still at school; I was still in year ten. And I was playing like two. No, I was in year eleven. I was playing. Uh, I was playing with the youth team in the FA Youth Cup, and it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I did that for nothing. Yeah. So when I signed for twenty seven pound fifty a week, <laughs> I was buzzing. Best money. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I loved. It. I loved it. Like we're run about run about these times. You know, I, I was. Um, I don't know if you did it at uh, Blackpool and things, but when uh, we, we got we got a bonus system brought into Middlesbrough when uh, in the youth team, so we got uh, we got four pound a draw, and eight pound for a win. But it didn't, actually, it didn't have bulky wages up. You know what I mean? It was it was amazing. And if you got to play for the reserves as well, you got fifteen pound extra, and it was just be like, even if you just sat on the bench, it would just be, and just you get your wages and you could feel it, but it's just. Sometimes your coins weren't coins anymore. You know what I mean? You knew you knew when you when you pick coins in your packet. It was just a, just one of those feelings. But you'd, you'd, oh, you'd just, really it on a Friday. We only got the bonuses for playing in the reserves. We didn't get any in the U team. So it was and and it was about that. It was like twelve pound and and six or twelve pound and eight pound for a win the draw in the resis. And yeah. You know, at, at the end of a month, and I buy myself a new pair of Patrick Cox wannabes. Yeah, memories, mate. Memories, memories. Uh, oh, we got some, uh, we got some, got some great from the group chat. We've got, uh, we've got Becky Willis, uh, which is Sai's lovely wife. So I hope you're looking after, me, like, looking after him, Becky. Who was your favourite player to play with, and on least favourite player to play against? Oh gosh, favorite player to play with. Uh, there's a, there's like there's the boring answer, and then there's the the nice answer. And the, the boring answer is Graham Alexander. 
Graham Alexander, Grezza, he's, he was Top my roommate when I was at Burnley. Um, the, the guy is the consummate professional, yeah. you know, and he was he was outstanding, so reliable, so consistent. Um, and as centre-halves, he used to sit in front of us and just screen it. it. It screened everything in front of us. He was brilliant, Andy. I was just like, Grezza, left. Grezza, yeah. right, right. Grezza. Is this <laughs> a dream? Or me, yeah. the gaffer thought I'll sit him in front of the centre arse because he's like forty nine now or something ridiculous like that. Grass a left, grass a right. <laughs> but he, I you what, and he, he could take a penalty as well. By the way, couldn't he? he used to score this guy after training uh, every single day. He would tie where uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bibs in the goal, and he'd have a bag of balls, and he wouldn't leave until he'd hit every bib, one after the other, and back again. So if he, if he like got three and missed, it'd start again. It'd start again. He would do it every single day. And that's why, what, did he score 52 out of 52 yeah. penalties? Something like yeah, that? Just, it's just, a, just an unbelievable, unbelievable. Just, it's uh, testament just to, how, to his how, how good it was, yeah. He got his uh, international you... cap, his first one, like it, 36 or something. Like that, yeah, you know, Scotland, yeah, awesome yeah. guy. Did you always, did you always uh, think he was going to go? He was going to be a gaffer. Yes, oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. N- nailed on. <clears throat> Not just because of his um, his quality and his knowledge, but because of the man he was. If he didn't become a man, he would be the manager I would love to play for. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's he's got an honesty, Greta, that um, is very rare in football. Very rare, you know, because people are always presenting, aren't they? You're always presenting yourself. Oh, you know, I'm top man around here. I'm the best centre half here. I'm the, I'm the this, I'm the that. And you have to, don't you? Because, yeah, yeah you know, totally agree. You need to show your best side yeah. all the time. But, mm, totally but, agree. But people, people see that as, as arrogance, don't the clock. But I think there's a fine line, isn't there, between arrogance and confidence yeah. and being and being having pure belief in yourself. You know that that when. They class that as arrogance, but people who know him and know, you know what I mean, who, who've been in and around those kind of people, it's pure belief in themselves, and it's it's just having having confidence in in the ability that you've got to go on the pitch and do the job that you need to do for yourself and for your teammates and for your club. And you know, I do get there's a fine line between arrogance and, and being overconfident, but he had it in abundance. He just had pure confidence and belief in himself. The fine line is is about where you present that. You know, if you're presenting that at the training ground and at matches and stuff like that, yeah, that's right. You know, they're, they're your performance arenas. But if you're presenting it at the petrol station and at a restaurant and at a nightclub in three in the morning, that's arrogance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not the yeah. time and the place for you to present be presenting this big persona. Yeah. So I, I think there's the difference, you know, knowing the time and the place to, to, to show your, your proficiency in that area and, and he was also as um some some really joe cole in the 21s was exceptional wasn't he he, he, he was utterly yeah. exceptional but he listen he, he had he had a natural talent clark didn't he what I've, I've never seen on, on on anybody you know what i mean that he could do things with the football that he just it was so not na- it listen it made you feel sick you know what i mean that things that he could just do how naturally he was he was he was like yeah. gaza um but I mean, he, he was a cheeky chappy from London. He, he was very confident about himself. He was a life and soul when he wanted to be. But you know what? When he was wanted to be the ultimate professional and get on the pitch and really perform, yes, he was. 
he was a he was a showman when he wanted to be. But he was a showman in the right way. You know what I mean? He did it. He did it in the right way. And if you were phoning him up, he'd have a little bit of fun because he he loved his football and he enjoyed it. But he'd, he'd also get stuck in. He had, a, he had a he had a ruthless side of him as well. Definitely, people condemn showmen, showmen, and showmanship. But I would always encourage it in my teammates, in the gifted teammates, in Robbie Blake, in Chris Eagles, in Leon Jean. You know, all of these yeah. players who've got it in Aaron Lennon. I would encourage it in it because it's the showmanship that's unexpected by the defender. Yeah, you know, if I, if I'm marking this guy for sixty minutes and and I'm showing him down the left, showing him showing him into this, and then all of a sudden he just produces this a three sixty pirouette and a tic tac, and yeah. I'm sat on my backside. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, the unexpected yeah. is what is what defeats. Old war horses like me, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> the hell did that? On that matter, we could even go one step further, couldn't we? Because uh, Ronaldo's not classed as a showman, Re Messi's not classed as a showman because they do it, they do it because it's a natural way for them to beat their players, mm -hmm. it's a natural, natural way because they're that talented, they can do it, but because they're talented, you know what I mean? Joe Cole was talented. Gaza was talented. You know what I mean? You've just named loads of players there who were, were ultra-talented who could do it on a daily basis, weekly basis, gamely basis. They do it. It doesn't make them showmen. You know what I mean? Because players are always going to get things wrong. You know what I mean? I'll probably use David's, David Dunn as an example when he tried his Rabona flick and he fell over in, in, the, in, the, in the Birmingham derby, you know, and it's obviously a famous one which gets shown all the time, but... Dunny was good and very good at what he did. You know, what I mean? nine times out of hundred. But that one time he didn't do it. He couldn't do it, and it's just it's yeah. one of those things. And I would have been, I wouldn't have even tried it. So you know, what I mean, I, I, my hat's off for him for me for and, and those kind of players for trying mm. those kind of things, which I, think, I just think is amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, Clark, we've got loads of loads of questions. I'm not finished um, yet. I'm not finished. The the uh, worst to play against. Uh, oh, I could yeah. really throw you off, mate. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, Thierry Henry, yeah. uh, Dennis Bergkamp, Silly list. Uh, Robbie Keane. He taught me several new backsides. Robbie was um, good. Robbie was very good. He was the Robbie most was intelligent good. player I've ever played against. Yeah, yeah um, he was. Yeah. You know who was the hardest? Mark Overmars. The guy was went from zero to flat out in two strides. In two mm. strides, I barely turned, and he was already at top speed. He was insanely quick. I don't think it helped with him, Clark, was uh, was the balls that he got from Petit, the balls that he got, you know what I mean? Because when you're playing against, when you're playing against the Invincibles, for example, especially especially the year that the one that, that, that stayed unbeaten, that you, you, and then you get him, and then you get um, Christopher Ray comes off the bench, and then you get other players, it's just, it's one thing after another, you know what I mean? Then yeah. you get the Bergkamp, who drops in the hole, and you know what I mean? And you're just thinking, it's just sink or swim time, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because it's just damage limitations, because I remember we played, we played them. At the, well, it was it was, a, it was the year that they were invincible. They beat us seven one. I'm not exaggerating. You know, the people in the group chat will, will probably be in the in, will have gone to the game, and that was seven one. But it should have been probably fifteen. You know, what I mean, they missed some. They missed some <laughs> horrific chances. You know what I mean? And and I'm on about Carnu um, backhill flick. You know, as your Vieiras, your Petit. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we we never looked like scoring because they had the best back four in the world. You know, what I mean? with 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 David uh -huh. Seaman and, and Tony Adams. You know what I mean? These kind mm -hmm. of legends and. But everything they had going forward, they had, they had, they had everything to back it up as well. Yeah, yeah they, they, beat us, they beat us six at the loft. And um, yeah, they, all, all of them had a fag on. All of them. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. They, they, they made just simpler, didn't they? They, they? they made everything look dead easy. You know what I mean? The, yeah. Even, but 
but the thing what I liked about uh, Pat Rice at the time, you know what I mean? They just loved wanting to get more out of the team. You know what I mean? They, they, yeah. they wouldn't stick at six. You know what I mean? They wanted seven. And when they got seven, they won eight. You know what I mean? They let a goal in. They were disappointed with it. You know what I mean? It was just, they just wanted excellence all of the time. And you know what I mean? They got the Champions League final, didn't they? The season after, obviously got beat by Barcelona. And the quality within the group, uh, it was just mm. it was just a joy to, to play in the Premier League at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not nice to get beaten. Of course it is, but it's, I, I'm, I'm no, glad I've to look back now, of, isn't it? And look back and yeah, see we're oh, in the midst man. of such quality. You know. Yeah, of course. Because when the when you're talking about that name of world class gets branded about all the time, but the, mm-hmm. the Arsenal players, you know what I mean? The the, the 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 seasons and the teams which go undefeated all it's very few and far between. You know what I mean? It it won't happen nowadays because of there's two really good sides in the Premier League, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's, you know what I mean? But there was, but that good on the day that could just really turn it on, and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a surreal, mate. Absolutely surreal, Beautiful. surreal. Um, right, we'll go get your questions in, everybody. We'll go, we'll go for another ten minutes or so. So get your questions in for uh, for Clark. We'll start with uh, with Donners. Uh, Clark, did you ever have a pre-match ritual at any of your clubs? Yeah, uh, uh, every club. I uh, had a full English breakfast uh, and I had two pints pints of black coffee. I remember when Eddie Eddie Howe came into Burnley and um, he he tried to stop us having full English and he he swapped my bacon for turkey rashes and uh, he swapped my sausages for venison sausages and I weren't allowed baked beans. So instead... That one gone down well. ...restaurant... Had a full English, and then came to the club meeting room so that I could have me pretty much meal with them. But um, you know, I, I I love this routine versus superstition question. Mm. You know, and especially when sports science comes in, because if you've done something for fifteen years and it's what you've done for fifteen years and it puts you in your optimum performance state. I think that there's surely an argument that taking it away will cause more negativity to me than the positive of giving me some new nutrient shake. You know, I'll feel like I've lost more than I've gained. And it's how I feel that's most important when I go out to perform. If you stop broke, why fix it? You know what I mean? I just, sometimes mm. you, you, you think that, don't you? I remember, remember when I first signed for Cardiff City, and um, obviously a good friend of mine, he's been on the show, Andy Legg. Um, obviously, Leggy's, oh, like, you know, Leggy played 30s. He was, he was one, of the fittest support, players, one of the players. Yeah, one of the fittest players that I'd, that I'd seen. His, his long throw, he had, he had everything in abundance of what he did. Great attitude. Leggy would sit in the change room of my first home game. He would sit there with a... With a uh, McChicken nugget meal and and sit there with a and just just eat, just openly eat it in front of everybody and I, I'm I'm sitting there thinking I, he can't be playing you know what I mean and then when when the gaffer's named the team and he's he's put him on the left or he's put him centre midfield I'm thinking and then he's 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 played the game and courted through the game I'm thinking how is this possible but you've got, a, you've got a player who's whose body's finely tuned with the way that he's he's tuned it you know he's tuned yeah. his own body and he's tuned mm-hmm. his own body with the things that he puts in it and. You know what I mean? If he if he if he tuned it, you know, we look at Ray Parler, for example. You know what I mean? Ray's very open about um, Tuesday Club and how they used to tune yeah. their body in, in different ways. And and your body regulates itself. Your body gets used mm. to it. And Leggy's body, mm. my body, your body, Ray Parler's body gets used to the way that 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 what comes into their body, and what goes out of their body, and it's just 
Mm-hmm. It's just everyone's built differently. You know what I mean? These energy yeah. supplements you can have all the all the all the shakes after the game. It doesn't mean you're not going to get injured. It doesn't mean you're going to play well. It doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. apart from mind over matter. You know what I mean? Sometimes whatever works for you works for you. It's not going to work for I somebody totally else. Totally agree. The other part of my my ritual was uh, I would I would only put my boots on just before I'm going out. My, putting my yeah. boots on was like that was the moment that I got into my yeah. work mode. So before then, I'd you know sort of around with me brew, I'd be listening to music, chatting, yeah. da da da, go and see the kit man. But as soon as I got my boots on, that was work mode. So I'll, I'll be yeah, the very last person to put my boots on. Mm. Yeah. Good one, and that's what people do, don't you know? What I mean, I always, I remember when I played Anfield, and and I always wanted to touch that. This is Anfield sign. Yeah. <laughs> does that does that really make you play well? And uh, I remember, I remember touching it once. Uh, it wasn't the first time I played there. I think it was the second time I played there, and I and I touched it once, thinking I'm going to play well today. And I had an absolute nightmare. I missed the missed, missed the city. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm never. Do you know what? Next time I play here. I'm never touching that sign again, and I didn't play there again, so I was I was a little bit disappointed. But it's just it's one of those things, isn't it, that people you start to believe your own hype sometimes. You start yeah. to believe what people tell you. You know what I mean? The people people mm-hmm. put the 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 left boot on, then they go down the right and things. And it mm-hmm. whatever. Listen, I've, I've got no issue with with what what works for somebody else, but I'd love to just watch it and sit and just and just watch them do it because I'd be I'd just be mesmerized by it all because of this I just think it's it's for education purposes for me it's just uh, it's just about it's just about it's having a routine is really important yeah totally but agree. when it when it crosses into superstition so if one part of it changes and in your mind that's it your game's gone now that that's that's yeah. that's not healthy that's not good you know so I have my routine but I was okay if I put my boots on a bit earlier or I was okay if there were no sausages for me full English when we went to Anfield I, I had an absolute worldie I marked Fernando Torres out of the game Yossi Benayoun scored nice. a trick got beat four <laughs> you, can only, you can only do so much mate can't you, you can I, so I did my job exactly like you said, you know like you said about the, like you said about the playoff final, it's not your fault. It was uh, Danny's. It was Danny's yeah. fault. Just blame Danny. It's always Danny's fault. In the paper, it's always Danny's four. fault. <laughs> Quality. Quality. Um, Kid. Kid asked. Charles asked a question. Kid's one of our, our viewers who asks uh, some great questions. Um, and obviously, with Black Lives Matter, Clark uh, being quite relevant, um, obviously in the in the news and things. Um, he, any racial abuse, abuse during your playing career by fans or opposition players? Um, well, how long have we got left? I, mean, I, I could I could give you a massive story about this. Um, the, the truth is, the the first time I experienced like vitriolic racial abuse was on Twitter. It was on social media. That was the first okay. real interaction. And that's because when I look back before that, um, you know, I, I can't get away from the fact that I I grew up in the 80s and started to play in the 90s. And at that time, a lot of the humour was race-based. You know, it, it was it was all on, on stereotypes for anyone and everyone, you know, so whatever... Uh, whatever race you were, whatever religion you were, you know, whatever nationality you were, all of the humour w- was tagged onto some kind of, you know, feature or stereotype. And 
when I look back, especially, uh, uh, you know, my, probably my first five, five, six, seven years in the game, I laughed and joined in with a lot of discriminatory jokes against myself as well as teammates because that was what everyone was doing. And I was a young kid trying to get into the game. So, you know, joking about the, the size of a guy's penis or joking about how how stingy the, the, the Scottish person was or joking about the Irishman's drinking habits. You know, all of these things I was laughing and joining in with on a daily basis because yeah. that's what everyone was doing. And I was 16 years old trying to fit into a new environment. So it's only when I, I, I kind of you know, matured myself, uh, that I started to actually, you know, understand my contribution because th there's a difference between being, um, between not being racist and being anti-racist. So it, like, so not telling racist jokes is one thing, but being anti-racist is actually intervening when other people do it. You know, and I think for, for 10 years of my career, at least, I was letting it happen, which makes me part of the problem. But it was it's only funny. that I started to pick it up. Not, not funny. I, I apologise for that. It, 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 interesting that you say that, that we've had a couple of uh, a couple of players, ex-players, who've said the same thing, that handle. So they just laughed along with the jokes. I thought yeah. it was a joke. So they were... They they didn't know how to handle it, so they decided to just go along with it, um, but then regretted it later on in the careers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and just thought how they would handle it differently now, with a little bit of life to themselves, because um, they didn't see it as it was a problem. They just saw it as as a joke, so they just laughed along with it. Like the, there was other jokes going on about different other people, and they would mm -hmm. and they would say different other things and. You know what I mean? I I can't put myself in 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 that situation. All I can say is, I I can't blame the person who laughed along. It's a person who's done the joke, and I just it's, it's not a joke. It's a person who said the comment, and and I I I, I would I would never I would never have someone thinking that they've that they've laughed along. They've done something wrong, and they should have they've, they should have done something differently. They've handled it the best that they they can handle it at the right time. You know what I mean? There's 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 people who handle it now on social media who screenshot some of the comments like you said that you, that you've seen in the first time that you saw it and you screenshot it. You know what I mean? Stan, some of the United boys have done it. They screenshot it and put it out there. Some people see the comments and keep it to themselves because they don't want people to to see what other people are saying about them. And I can fully understand and respect that as well because it's private to them because it's their family who's got to see it. You know what I mean? It's not just themselves who are going to see it. It's Every reaction is down to the individual, mate, and their experience. And, and you've got to put them in context. So the, the, the people you're talking about who shared a similar experience to me, I'm talking about the time when, when I, I was 16, 17, 18, 19, you know. I was, not only was I a young kid, but the way that football was structured, you know, you were subservient. You didn't talk back to senior pros. You didn't answer back to any of the coaching staff. You didn't say anything to the, the manager because if you did, you singled yourself out as like, you know, someone who misbehaves, someone who's arrogant, someone who blah, blah, blah. And if you did do that, 
you're not going to get picked. You're not going to get a contract. You're not going to get this, that, the other. So uh, until you get to a place where you are certain about your career and who you are and your worth, you don't do anything to rock the boat. You don't do anything to jeopardise the potential of you making progress in, in that footballing environment. And what I love about today's game is that the younger generation aren't as accepting uh, as we were. Yeah. You know, the younger generation, I, I, I know my me, me eldest daughter's 22, and she calls things out. She's just like, Dad, that's not acceptable. And I'm like, were you telling me that's not acceptable? I'm your father. <laughs> I'll tell you what's acceptable. <laughs> but it's not like that anymore. Yeah, you know? no, I totally agree. Because as parents, totally we're agree. not the sole authority in our children's lives. Do you remember when you used to ask your mum and dad a question and they'd answer you, and that would be the gospel truth? Well, it's not anymore. The kids ask you a question. I say, I think it's this. And they'll be like, well, no, actually, Google says it's this, Dad. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And you're undermined by technology on a daily basis. So yeah. you're no longer <laughs> totally agree. In, in your child's lives. And, and I like that. I like that because, you know, it, it gives them a little bit of um, a, a knowledge, of independence, of backbone. And that is growing into players like Marcus Rashford, like Raheem Sterling, who are standing on their own yeah. two feet uh, at the yeah. age that they are. When, it, when if we'd have done it at that age, people would have, would have said, who does he think he is? He's done nothing in the game. Yeah. So yeah. you have to have done something in the game to have a valid uh, opinion or expectation. Yeah, bang on. Absolutely bang on. Right, final question. I'm going to pick one more. Um, it's got to come from Sai because uh, Sai's watching and he's, he's stuck a... Stuck a uh, a comment in. Um, Clark, did you ever fall out with the teammates? Yeah, did you ever fall out with the teammates and it go on longer than the 90 minutes? Oh. Is... Oh, that's a good question. A teammate. Uh... I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that... Uh... <laughs> Do you know what? Right, this is a little bit naughty. There's... There's a couple of players who I'd had long-running feuds with um, because they were fellow centre-halves and the club captain would always get picked and then it was either me or him yeah. who were going to get the other slot. So it was always smiles on faces, but at any given chance, I would absolutely smash the living daylights out of them. Uh, and yeah. I mean, you know, whether it was training, whether it was playing cards on the bus, whether it was playing Mario Kart on DS, you know, I wanted to absolutely, utterly humiliate this other person, but without looking like I'm attacking them. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it. No, love it, mate. Love the answer. Love the honesty. Teammate first yeah, opponent. Love it. No, I love it. Love it. Clark, your honesty this evening has been absolutely golden. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. To the viewers, um, uh, please subscribe. Please go to YouTube, subscribe, press the like button. Um, keep following us. Keep watching all the shows, um, Facebook, etc. Um, AC Footy Show. Uh, AC Footy Show, yeah, on the handle and everything on AC Podcast Nation as well. Side does uh, loads of other shows, mental health. Um, and all loads of other shows with Kevin McNaughton, etc. So we've got, we've got plenty. Uh, a show on Friday, depending on, obviously, size health. I know, obviously, Bournemouth beat 
Uh, Brentford this evening, 1-0. I'm sure Swansea have just gone one up against Barnsley. So, come on, Barnsley. <laughs> um, that'll cheer all the Swansea fans up. But uh, let's see. Let's see from Si, from everybody, all the viewers. You've been absolutely amazing, mate. Um, you look amazing. You look really happy. And it's great to have, uh, it's great to have our Clark back. Oh, thanks, Andy, mate. Thank you for asking me on. It's a, it's a pleasure, Thank and it's pleasure. been lovely to 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 think good thoughts, mate. God bless right. you. Good luck. Take care. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like. My mummy and daddy have been talking. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told Mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. Sports Social Podcast Network.